2: What is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast it is Tuesday Matt is here with me we're going to talk about wide receivers 25 through whichever ones we get through so we're gonna try and wrap up our wide receiver discussion for the 2020 season discussing who we think could arise fall as we typically do we will try and get to some one division as well as we had a really really good episode uh on friday so we will definitely try and get through that as well here at the end of the episode today matt how you doing on this uh, beautiful tuesday
1: you know it is uh, absolutely gorgeous our weather guy uh, gave it a 10 uh today because light breeze it's in the 60s uh, i know for a lot of parts of the country march is like the spring but march and april are sometimes our s- most snowed in months Yeah. so uh our seasonal average the beginning of march is supposed to be like 45 so it's it's been gorgeous uh it's almost made me forget a couple weeks ago in the deep freeze almost
2: (laughs) yeah i I tell people all the time i um have gone up to i don't remember what year it was it had been at least five years ago now Maybe. No, I had to have been at least five because I definitely had my my youngest son was was a little was a baby. But uh, we had gone up right at the end of April because it's always because uh, they always do the NFL draft at the end of April.
1: Yeah.
2: And so we went up at the last uh, last week of April to go visit my parents, who, as you well know, live very about 45 minutes from you. And, uh, but obviously Colorado Springs, not a big airport. So we flew into Denver. Um, my, both of my parents work in the Denver area, or my dad does, uh, and they drove in to pick us up. Snowing didn't seem like much, right? In Denver, you're thinking, Hey, no big deal. Well, by the time we'd gotten to Colorado Springs, which is roughly correct me if I'm wrong, probably about a two and a half hour drive, give or take, uh, to Denver Um, from Colorado Springs.
1: um, From DIA, if it's uh, good weather, it should be around an hour.
2: Okay. Well, it took us about two and a half hours to get there. And by the time we got to the area of Colorado Springs where we're heading to Calhan, which is where my family lives, it was almost a blizzard at the point that we got there. And I, I just remember... I'm like, holy crap, like what's going on? And like, as, um, again, you'll, you'll know as you get into parts parts of Calhan, it goes from paved roads to dirt roads, which at all are not being taken care of with the way that the weather was. And, I remember we got there and my my dad was like, yeah, he's like, unfortunately, there's going to be a whiteout the next two days. Like I remember getting out, you could barely see in front of your face, get into the car. I still have the pictures and videos on my phone. You couldn't see anything out there. It was just so much snow. And I was like, it's May. What the fuck do you yeah. mean? There's a whiteout. So yeah, it was. It was still one of the. But the funny thing about that was too is I remember getting out of the car and I had like on a sweatshirt and shorts. And I was like, it doesn't feel like it should be this cold here, and yet it is. And it was. I mean, it was. It was still a um, very interesting time, I guess, to to be there. And that's well, one of my favorite things to talk about because I remember it stayed like that for the first couple of days of May as well. And it's like it's so odd to me to see. That. Yeah.
1: I think the only calendar month that Colorado Springs has never recorded snow is July. I mean, that kind of tells you, I I've gotten it in August. My wife, a couple of years ago, the first day of summer vacation when they had to come and clean out their classes to get ready for summer, they got a quick eight inches. Jeez. You know, she just sends me the picture and it's watermarked. It says May 19th, 20, I think it was 2017. Uh-huh. You know, And it's like, welcome to summer kids.
2: Yeah, that's just oof, ridiculous. I don't uh you know, I think that well the worst thing we have here is like probably I mean, it's March 2nd now, so probably I'd say by like April 15th, we're already going to be looking at like close to 100 degree temperature, which is just not, it's not fun in its own right. Um, You know, But and I'm going to be honest, I think I'd rather take the snow over 110 degrees. It's really
1: hard to stay yeah, cold. The snow, the snow usually goes, so last Thursday we had a, a snow day. We probably got eight inches. You know, I think I, I told you the day we were, we did our, our first show. We yeah. You know, we had a snow day. I didn't go in. It's gone. Yeah. You know, we had a couple of couple days, you know, the next day it was only in the mid thirties, but it was sun all day and it melted down. And the nice thing here, it's not like Chicago where you get snow in November and it's with you until May. Um, you know, ours comes a lot of times and goes. And, you know, I have a couple of spots where I've where it's piled up because of when I shoveled, but yeah, you know, things can change. It was our daytime high was twenty-five degrees on Thursday. Today it's sixty-three.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's so much better, I think, the snow than when it's like 110 There's only so much you can do uh, to try and cool down when it's 110 so, degrees. Outside, I always tell people
1: so. you can always put more clothes on, but there's yeah. only so much clothes you can take off in public.
2: Uh, I mean, you can take all your clothes off in public. Now, whether or not you will actually be able to stay out in public is the real question. So, yes, I am with you 100%. It's definitely not a lot of fun. But to the wide receivers we go. So, if you listened to last week's episode on Thursday, we ended with Curtis Samuel, who, much to my surprise, finished as wide receiver. Or I'm sorry, we actually went to DJ Moore. Yeah, Yeah, because Uh, we talked about Carolina. Yeah, I forgot we talked about the whole Carolina offense because all three of them finished within the top 25, more coming in at 25. So we will talk about wide receiver 26, which is Cooper Cup. We all had him ranked fairly higher than that. I had him at 19, Dennis 11, you had him at 13. Um, Obviously, Jared Goff has not quite been the same quarterback the past couple years past couple seasons, but now they're getting Matt Stafford in there. Uh, We have both talked about it, and I believe we're both on record saying we think this helps Robert Woods more than Cooper Cup. Yet I don't think he falls much off from this area. Cupp's still a really good wide receiver. I think he's going to play well in this offense. Stafford definitely, I think, increases what they're going to be able to do passing the ball. Uh, So I think Cupp is right in that bottom tier wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three territory for me moving forward.
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: All right. Next up, Cole Beasley, who had, I think, um, well, if you listen to our show and listen to Bob Lung, you would not have been surprised having a really good season, Uh, but a much better season than I expected. I thought him to be more toward like the bottom tier three, maybe high-end wide receiver four range, comes in at 27. None of us had him ranked. He just seems to really fit in very well with Josh Allen with what he does. Obviously gutted it out as well this year playing on I believe they said the past couple weeks on like partly broke broke his leg and was still playing with what he did. I mean, dude's just an, an animal, and I think losing John Brown next offseason, well, I do expect Davis to step up a little bit into that role, uh, you're going to have Cole Beasley and, in my opinion, Stephon Diggs continue to do the same amount of damage they did last year until this offense is able to run the ball. So I expect Cole Beasley to continue to stay in this range as well. What are your thoughts on Beasley?
1: Yeah, so, you know, a little bit, you know, we talked about digs, uh, you know, seems to be the clear number one, some of it, you know, what is the passing volume and, uh, you know, completion percentage. If that slides back a little bit for Buffalo, that's going to impact everyone. But, you know, Beasley probably had more targets than you thought. He both in 2019 and 2020, he played in 15 games He had 106 targets in 2019, 107 in 2020. The big difference was he caught about 15 more passes, uh, which netted him about 200 more yards. Actually had fewer touchdowns last year. So, you know, he's been relatively consistent. I know, uh, you know, our friend Bob liked him a lot. John Brown wasn't a big factor last year, so I think him leaving – doesn't do a lot. Um, you know, we, we saw Dawson Knox come on a little bit at the end of the season. You don't know how that comes up. What do they do with Gabe Davis? But I, I really think for both him and Diggs, you could see them going right back in the same area unless Buffalo comes back a lot on their style of offense.
2: Yeah. I think, like I said, the biggest thing I think is could change him is going to be if they're able to get this running game going, you know, we talked about it a little bit when we did the quarterbacks and, in they actually uh, the running backs because neither one of those big on Singletary or Zach Moss. And there's obviously a lot of rumors that they might bring in a running back. If they're actually able to get the running game going, I could see that affecting Beasley a little bit because they were so pass heavy this year. And I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me. So I don't know how pass heavy they were the year before, uh, but I feel like they were probably fairly, because I don't remember Frank for the, being much more for the, effective.
1: For the Buffalo bills, they increased, uh, he increased his pass attempts. By uh, I think it was 140 when I looked. It was like four. It was like 440 in 2019. It was 560, 570 last year. Okay. So I don't think they come back that much. Their carries didn't really change. They they were less effective. Like we talked about, um, more carries for Singletary, who actually finished with fewer yards. And Moss had a goodly amount of carries. Just didn't. They just they weren't incredibly effective running. I think that's why we think they were so, they had abandoned the run. They didn't have that many fewer carries. They just weren't getting it done. Next up was rookie T
2: Higgins. He finishes as wide receiver 28. Uh, again, a player that none of us had ranked. I, I'm going to be honest. I did not expect him to be this high, and I'll go ahead and put in his uh, running mate here as well, Tyler Boyd, who comes in at wide receiver 29. Uh, we were all pretty close on this one, actually. I had him at 27. Dennis hit the nail right on the head at 29. You had him at 31. You know, We all thought Joe Burr was going to have a good season, did not expect him to come out and have at least start off the season the way he did. He did cool off a little bit toward unfortunately getting injured. Um, And a lot of that due to due to just how bad that offensive line is, you know, we don't know when Burrow is going to come back. Uh, I would imagine he's going to be back at some point in time this year. There's still rumors that they may sit him for a year. I just don't see that happening. I mean, with the way that there's videos of him already walking around and everything, I just I don't see any way he doesn't play at this point in time this year. Now, again, I'm not a doctor. I know this was a bad injury when you tear all of your CLs, MCL, ACL, PCL. That's not good. That's bad. It was a very bad knee injury. But the fact that he's already doing stuff, I think is is good sign for them. But even if Burrow's not there. I do expect them to bring in somebody possibly outside of Ryan Finley, even to compete with Finley to kind of push him until Burrow's back. Higgins, to me, showed that he is almost quarterback proof. He was very good regardless of who the quarterback was in there. But where do you expect these two guys to go? Give me with Burrow and without Burrow in the 2021 season.
1: (sighs) see i don't think he won't have burrow the whole time he may or you know he may not have him for a full season but i think you're gonna see probably at least around the same number of games because let me let me pull up worst case scenario so bro played 10 games uh and started 10 games in 2019 i feel like worst case scenario he at least gets into because even if he starts yeah. the season on pup you have yeah. to miss at least six um you know Unless he has a massive setback, you're probably looking at at the same thing. I think going into last season, we had two Bengals receivers right in this range really close. It wasn't Higgins. We thought A.J. Green, who they franchise tagged, who they brought back, who was allegedly healthy. A.J. Green saw 104 targets. He just did shit with them. I mean, he caught 47 passes. That's a less than 50% completion rate. He just wasn't a factor. So he and Higgins and Boyd were all close. Boyd, 110 targets, uh, actually caught more passes. Higgins, 108 targets, did more with the passes he caught. I think, you know, I don't think they bring back Green. You know, they – They'll probably mix somebody else in. All all these modern offenses use three receivers. But I think you're going to see a greater target share starting to shift to Higgins. He's a guy I'm moving up, whereas Boyd, I think, probably is where he is.
2: Okay, yeah, I I actually am very much on board with that. And I don't think that's a bad thing either for Boyd. He's still a high-end wide receiver three. And I, I would... I can see the argument for giving him a small tick up as well if Burrow is in there, but if I have to raise one of the two, it's definitely going to be Higgins because while you mentioned Higgins did more with the passes, he was also, it seemed to be their, their end zone threat as well. When they got down into the goal line, they were going to him a lot with and without Burrow. And I think that continues obviously with him being the big dominant guy there. What's going to be interesting, obviously is who, they bring in in the offseason, whether it's a free agent or a uh a draft pick. There's obviously a lot of mocks here recently that have had them mm-hmm. taking Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. Either one of those comes in, I think that severely changes what I think of Higgins because of how high I am on Chase and Pitts. Uh, but as yeah. of right now, to me, Higgins is probably their best option. I mean, he's slightly better with than Boyd, I think, just based on his size and what he can do into the red zone. So I'm with you. I think. I'd raise Higgins to like that low end two and keep Boyd Boyd right there and then I, I like I said I could see the argument for raising Boyd to a low end two with Burrow being in there but it's just it's hard to know
1: yeah, with yeah Burrow. I think um, I left my sheet at uh, at work because I'm working on doing my <laughs> early dynasty rankings for the site right. I'm pretty sure I put Higgins in a middle tier two and dropped Boyd down to like a top end three. If they took like a Jamar Chase or went for a top-end receiver, to me that would be an indication that they they see Higgins differently than what I, I – we thought – You know, I think we talked about it. I think all of us were pretty close to thinking that Higgins was being brought in to eventually replace Adrian Green as yeah. kind of the one. And the way he played last year certainly made me feel like he could do that. If they go out and get somebody else who looks like a one – then you have to kind of start thinking the rotation. I don't know that I would drop him a ton if they got a, a top tight end like Kyle Pitts because I think we've seen big-time offenses. Like, look at look at the Chiefs. You can have a great receiver and a great tight end, and then yeah. it's probably Boyd that gets hurt the most by that, in my opinion, because I think Higgins, we saw, is better than, than Boyd and better rapport with Burrow and with other quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, I can see the argument on Pitt's side, although Pitt, uh, I'm just, I'm so convinced Pitts is going to be an absolute monster in the NFL. I do think if, if they do end up drafting Chase in the first round, that does hurt Higgins a little bit, just because I think both those guys will do yeah. somewhat of the same stuff, although I think Chase is a little bit more explosive. So I obviously, um, if you guys did not watch uh, our live stream yesterday or have been paying attention to Twitter, I am. Now with a new site of my own, I'll talk about that at the end of the podcast, but I pulled up my rankings as you said that, and I do have uh, – I have T. Higgins actually as a high-end wide receiver too, and I have Boyd at 26 right now. I have Higgins at 15, and that's with the yeah, rookie's I think, in there. So. I,
1: I actually think I had Higgins at around 15, 14, right. 15 yeah. too, because he, he looked really good, and if you yeah. had removed – it took him a, probably about a half a season for him to start getting AJ Green's targets. Mm-hmm. Um, and once that happened, I mean, 67 for 908 yeah. and six TDs, especially with with playing with Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley the last six games. That's that's pretty good.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was a guy toward the end of your like fantasy leagues and playoffs, you could actually start, like, you could trust playing him because of how much he came on. So yeah, and it it's really going to be interesting. It's like I said, I kind of hope they don't. I know we talked about it a little bit. Uh, may not have been on this show. I feel like I do way too many podcasts. So I'm never sure where I say this stuff. But uh, I, I really hope they don't go wide receiver or pits in the first round. I really hope they go offensive line to help out Burrow. This class is deep enough they could get a tight end or wide receiver in the second or third round. And and I don't think – and I don't say that isn't like a worried about Higgins thing either. I just think they need to protect Burrow. And, and I just – I don't think taking Chase there and or even Pitts. To
1: maximize their running pitch. game. You know, we've talked yeah. about this with – with Mixon and and whoever's going to be running the ball if you can't block you can't do anything.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we we, we saw that actually in the Super Bowl with uh, with the Chiefs, so, you know, they Now obviously some of that was due to offensive line injuries as well, but when your offensive line yeah. is not good, doesn't matter how good the players are behind them, you just can't it's it's very hard to win games. Uh these next couple guys was really intriguing to me to see them this low. I I did not expect at least two of the guys in these next four that we're going to read to be this low. Uh, Corey Davis, not really one of them, but I am surprised he finished this high. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of confused on Corey Davis. So wide receiver 30, obviously none of us had him ranked. We didn't really believe in Davis and well, obviously, thirty. You look at that and you say that's not a great season. He was very consistent throughout the season. There was that one stretch he had not finished less than ten points in in PPR leagues, mm-hmm. which is a great wide receiver three. You know, he's going to be a free agent, and and I do think with the way that he put up or the way that he looked this last year, if he goes to an offense that's going to feed him, because he did not get a lot of targets there, obviously in Tennessee because of yeah. the way they run their offense. I actually think I would boost Corey Davis's value up some. What are your takeaways from Davis?
1: I mean, I think even if he comes back to Tennessee, I, you know, I'm putting him solidly low end wide receiver three, high end wide receiver four. He's, I think we had to probably get over the fact he's never going to be what some people thought he was when he first yeah. got drafted which is you know maybe a premier receiver he's not what AJ Brown is um, and obviously Tennessee had a lower volume offense he only started 12 games ended up seeing 92 targets last year which was a big increase over the year before uh, when he only saw 69 Cut 65 984 you know he had his best year yards uh, yards. Per average, had his best year with touchdowns, with five. Um, you know, we've seen flashes of it. You know, even with the Titans prior to this year, you saw flashes of it the year before they took AJ Brown. You saw flashes of it sometimes in the playoffs. Um, he's not a one, but he would be a great two, and then an, a stellar three for someone. Yeah.
2: And I, and I think that's where he is. i I literally have him looking at my ranks as like a middle to low end three right now. And, and I do think that that's what he can be in. And again, that sounds bad, but when you realistically look at, especially deeper leagues, when you have a wide receiver who can consistently consistently put up ten points a week, that actually matters. That's a big deal, someone you can rely on like that. And I'm gonna be curious to see where he goes. Um, you know, I don't know. If he comes back to Tennessee, maybe. You know, it's obviously different. Reg- I think it's a different regime that drafted him, is it not?
1: Yeah, I think it's – I don't remember Vrabel yeah, being there before Ra- for years. Vrabel ha- hasn't been there the whole, yeah. The whole time. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. It, it also – Davis, I'm going to put him in that category of guys. I don't expect him to be in that first wave of signings. Uh-huh. Uh, somebody absolutely fell in love with him. He feels like somebody who's going to end up with his spot post draft. There's a lot of these guys that have great potential and great, yeah. uh, you know, can be a great fit somewhere that are not going to be in that first wave of. Especially the first wave of premier wide receivers in this free agent class is great. This is a great draft class of receivers. Yeah. You have to see kind of where do those things shake out, and then he's going to find the right spot.
2: Yeah, and I would also say I think this is going to be a very weird free agency period just because of we know that the cap is not moving much and possibly will go down for the NFL, which I think is going to— be definitely going
1: down at least a little bit. Yeah. But not as severely as they thought. There's a lot of teams that don't have money.
2: Right, and so that's where I think a lot of players— I think, and I know we've talked about it on here before, we might see a lot of players go back to their original teams that they le- that they are on right now and take like lesser deals or lesser years and money just to be able to go back onto the free agency market just to have some kind of financial stability yeah. right now because it's going to be, I don't know that a lot of teams are going to be reaching out because of the way the NFL has changed with how, you know, these rookie contracts are structured. You're going to have a lot of these guys like a Marvin Jones who can be really good on an NFL roster and they'd be like, well, you know what, but we can get this wide receiver in the fourth round. He's going to come 10 times cheaper than you. And we're already having cap struggles as well. So I do think this free agent period is going to be very interesting.
1: I I expect we're going to see a lot of one and two year lower money deals because the cap hits, uh, you know, that they're the compressed cap. They were going to spread out over two years. And then you'll probably start seeing it go back up as things go back to normal. But uh, you know, I'm with you and that's where, I could honestly, you know, they already cut Adam Humphreys, um, you know, kind of got out of that. I could see Corey Davis ending up, you know, post-draft, taking a two and a million, $3 million a year deal going back for one or two years back to Tennessee. It's a place they know him. It's a place where, you know, he has good rapport with the quarterback. He's never going to yeah. be the number one. But you, when you're not the number one, you don't have the pressure either. You know, everybody's yeah. flocking to A.J. Brown. That's helped him immensely, I think.
2: Yeah, uh, so these next three guys were, were very interesting for me. Now, obviously, this first guy, uh, a lot of that had to do a little, I think, a little bit with the, the injuries he dealt with in this year, and that's Chris Godwin He came in at wide receiver 31. I had him at three, Dennis six, and you had him at five, so we were, I was expecting a huge season from I expected him to jump up. Distinctly remember talking about him being the guy who stepped up in this offense with Brady, and that was going to come at the detriment of Mike Evans. That was completely the reverse. I mean – Chris Godwin again, even though he suffered injuries, Evans really seemed to be the guy at times especially down the stretch now maybe that was because Evans was on the field that seemed more often than Godwin this year. Godwin is a free agent. We know there's all talks from the Buck side that they want him back. Godwin seems to be keep saying at least the right things that he wants to go back to Tampa Bay. How would you value Godwin? And I know this is going to be a hard question to uh, answer because if I say when he goes back to Tampa Bay, what's his value? But what if he goes somewhere else, not knowing where that other other place could be, but where would you value Godwin moving forward?
1: Yeah, he was limited to 12 games. So, you know, missing four games hurts. Um, obviously saw almost 40 fewer targets from the year before. They – you know the one thing that you couldn't there are two things you couldn't account for with the the brady transition one is they had to throw it so much in 2019 because they didn't have great defensive performance and they were turning the ball over they were in shootouts almost every game they didn't they played a little bit better Um, you know, which is going to bring it down. And then so much competition, you know, we've talked about Tyler Johnson came in, Scotty Miller's out there. Antonio Brown comes in the middle of the season. Godwin missed his four games in the first half of the season too. So you're talking about him, you know, when he's back on the field now with Antonio Brown, Gronkowski, Cameron Bray, two or three running backs, I think it just it, – it made the competition more fierce. To, do, to me, the big difference between him and Evans is Evans had a couple of those games where he only caught two passes, but they were both like three-yard touchdowns, and that just vaults you points-wise kind of, kind of up. And I think Evans is always going to be the better goal-line target because he's a bigger-framed um, wide receiver. I like Godwin. If he goes – Back to Tampa Bay, he's still going to be good. Uh, I, you know, I'm mo- more moderating expectations. I think I dropped him more into the, you know, wide receiver two range. I'm not dropping him all the way out. He still saw 84 targets and 65 receptions for 840 yards and seven touchdowns in 12 games. That's a pretty good clip if he can stay you know, on the field, stay, stay consistent. I think he was better than this finish. It's just the games, you know, as we've talked about with a lot of stars, the games you miss. Um, But he's one of those guys, I know he's talked about wanting to go back and they may want him to go back. I've said a couple of times, I feel like it's more likely they can retain somebody like Antonio Brown and Gronkowski who are committed to playing with Brady and not as worried about getting those, big contracts, Godman coming off of his first contract. This is the point in time in your career where you need to get your big contract because it's usually that first yeah. contract after being rookie where you you get your, your big contract because then things tail off, veteran expenses. I don't know that that's possible with the situation they have with Tampa Bay and so many high-profile free agents. I feel like he's going to get a bigger offer from somebody else, whether he takes it or not. That's the question.
2: Yeah, and so for me on Godwin, I'm I'm pretty much the same. I have him right at thirteen right now. So like I, I do think he's gonna bounce back obviously a lot better than what he did this year, but I don't have him quite inside that top twelve range. Um, You know, I did talk about that. That was all all my biggest concern with this wide receiver core was losing Jameis Winston. I obviously, I talked about they're not going to throw it that much because Winston was turning the ball over. That defense was, they weren't bad, as we talked about. A lot of that was Winston was turning the ball over right around midfield or in in plus territory for the other team. So they were being able to score points, and they had to keep throwing and throwing the ball, and I thought that would hurt Evans, as we mentioned. It ends up hurting Godwin, some of that obviously due to him being off the field. I do kind of think he goes back, and I think some of that goes to what we were just talking about with Corey Davis. I wonder if he takes like a one or two year deal because he'll still be young, at least for wide receiver terms. Maybe he takes like a, I don't want to say team friendly deal, but like a decent deal for them to run it back, as they keep saying, for Tampa Bay, and then maybe hit the free agent market again when hopefully you see the free agency cap start bouncing back and then he can get that mega deal that he deserves to get paid, but uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. You know, I, I would say with the way he's played the past two years where I have him ranked at least at 13, I don't see his stock raising much unless he goes to like a Kansas city. So even if he goes to another team, even if he's the, the one, I still think his value is going to be right around the same. So I, I don't think it changes much for me, regardless of if he stays or goes to, to Tampa Bay. I think if he stays at Tampa Bay, we kind of know what he's going to be. And if he goes to a new team, he has a chance to elevate his game some, but I still have him as an elite wide receiver. So there's only so far much so much more he can go up. Uh, next up was Will Fuller, who finished as wide receiver 32. I had him at 39, Dennis 36, you at 43. So we weren't far off. Obviously, this with Fuller a lot came down to him getting suspended for PEDs because he was on fire earlier in the season, mm-hmm. and he is a very interesting free agent candidate. I don't think he goes back to Houston. I know some people think he does. I don't. I just I don't see it happening. Uh-huh. But if he ends up on a good team, a lot of people have referenced maybe like a green Bay who was trying to trade for him earlier in the year or a team that could really use his downfield ability. You know, we talked about it a little bit. I believe he has to miss one or two games
1: yeah, at I the think beginning one. of the year. One Cause the I was looking, he played 11 last year and got a six game suspension. I don't think he missed anything for injury. So it's no, he didn't He, must have, he served five. Okay. So he's going
2: to miss one game in the end of the day. Not a big deal. So for him, Landing spot and health is really the only things you have to worry about with him. I would move him up some just based on, we. it seemed like we actually finally saw the year, you know, like Mm -hmm. Dennis has been a Will Fuller fan uh, and has talked about if he could just stay healthy, he'd be really good. Well, we saw that he finally stayed healthy and was putting together a really good season before the PED suspension. Uh, What do you think Fuller does for the 21
1: season? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, despite having to miss five games with a suspension, he had a career year in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, and yards per catch, uh, which is all pretty phenomenal. Like you said, he was a bankable gold, uh, you know, player out uh, the first half of the season in fantasy. I had a couple of teams where I was like cruising along, and he was part of the repertoire. When he came off, you know, you tail off at the end. That being said, you know. I would like to move him up, but to me, it's going to be a landing spot. Uh, yeah. You know, Green Bay is not a terrible spot, but opposite Adams, does he get demonstrably more targets and opportunities than MBS and Lazard got? Or are you kind of locked into – you are what you are. He was the best receiver for the Texans. I think yeah. where we saw Cooks finish as 17, if Fuller doesn't get knocked out there, I think that's where he ends up. He was the one that Watson liked the best. What situation does he end up in? You know, does he end up just being the, you know, that would be my my worry with Green Bay is he goes to Green Bay. He's better probably than MVS, but if you still get put in that bomber role. Yeah, that that to me is a huge boom bust. I might actually keep him where he is or drop him a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, because a lot of people obviously think Green Bay and they go, OK, well, he's with Aaron Rodgers. He's opposite of Devontae Adams. He should move up. But the big fear is, is something I've talked about on the Debbie Debate podcast. And when I'm talking about Justin Fields is Aaron Rodgers is not a conservative quarterback, but he doesn't always make the risky throw. He's not just going to throw it deep because Will Fuller's going deep. He is someone who – he he does not like to turn the ball over, and so he does trust Adams a lot. And I wonder if, as you're saying, he did, if it, Will Fuller gets put in that role, how much more will they go to him? I do feel like they took a lot of shots to MVS this year. Uh, obviously, he didn't hold on to a lot of them. But the knock on Will Fuller the past couple of years besides his health has been his hands haven't been that great either. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see where he goes. I agree with you. Landing spot could change him a little bit. Um, I really don't see outside of him going to like a completely anemic offense, which I don't know. Maybe if he goes, well, see, I don't even think Detroit would be that bad. Out Off the top of my head, I can't think of a really bad offense at the moment because I don't even know if the Jets are going to be that bad anymore now that Gase is gone unless he goes to like some offense, this is just not going to work. I don't see him falling much more for me, but I don't know how much more I would raise him, but landing spot is going to be huge for Fuller. Uh, Moving forward, Jarvis Landry was a guy I thought had a much better season than where he ended up finishing. He finishes his wide receiver 33 both me and Dennis had him at 24. You had him at 27. Uh, you've put on here, OBJ did miss nine games, um, and wide receiver 33 is all that was he got out of Landry. Oh, sorry, Dennis, put that on there. <laughs> it's interesting to me because I don't think, as much as it hurts me to say this because I love Landry, I don't think I'm moving him up more, even though I do think the Browns could pass more in 2021 because of how much they get the the tight ends involved and and i do think odell is going to be back and he's going to be back with the browns and a lot of people think they're going to trade him i don't i think odell brings that offense something they don't currently have and you know i like higgins i like dpj and unless they go out and draft a wide receiver which i'm not expecting them to do because of all the answer all the holes they have on defense I think OBJ fits into this offense better than a lot of people give it credit, give him credit for. And if he does, I think that does continue to hurt Landry. So I love Landry. I think he's a great part of the Browns offense. I don't want to see him go anywhere, but for fantasy, I do think his upside is limited some, because he's just not going to get that volume. Uh, What are your takeaways with Landry?
1: No. And I think the stats bear that out. He's not a bad player, but maybe it's not the right fit for what they're trying to do because in his three years with the Browns, even though he played approximately the same amount of games that he's played every year, you know, he was in, uh, it looks like he was 15 games, 14 starts. Um, you know, he made 14 starts his first year to 16 last year. It was the lowest amount of targets by far, lowest receptions, lowest yards per reception and lowest TD output. And that kind of speaks to what you're talking about. They, they, it's not that he's not a good player, but it's they're trying to do something different and they have cultivated other weapons, yeah. you know? So he went from his first year in Cleveland, he saw 149 targets last year. He barely saw hundred. He was at 101. He's only catching 11.7 yards for pass. He was more of their short kind of possession guy. He's not got the stature of some of their other targets. Plus they have Nick Chubb. So goal line is not going to be a great thing. You know, for him. So he he has always excelled by being a volume player, getting tons of targets, catching, you know, when he was with Miami, even he was a PPR machine that doesn't seem to fit the style here. So, you know, I think Dennis makes a point. OBJ was gone for nine games and this is all he could get to. That should be worrying.
2: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say for Landry in, I guess, that effect is you did have the three um, really bad weather games where the Browns did not throw the ball much at all. They couldn't even get two of them being um, Oakland, and they played somewhere, I'm sorry, Las Vegas. It was whoever they played right after Las Vegas as well, where they just couldn't throw the ball due to wind. And then, obviously, he missed games because of COVID as well, and I don't believe he ever actually got COVID, but he was sidelined because of contact tracing.
1: Yeah, I think he only missed one game. It's so he appeared yeah. in fifteen games. But
2: yeah, and that would have been the even, contact tracing game.
1: Even the year prior, um, he had one hundred and thirty-eight targets. So even if you have a couple of bad games, you're, you're talking about thirty-five to forty targets fewer. That that's more than a couple of bad games. To me, that's more right. of what you're talking about strategy on offense, what they're trying to do. And this is the first time you're seeing him. In Kevin Stefanski's system, you know, and also, you know, like we said with Chris Godwin, if you're a better team, you don't have to put it up 95 times. Yeah, you know, so the the Browns were a much better team with a much more dominant running game. That's going to impact, especially volume receivers.
2: And that's see, and that's the one thing that worries me about doubting him. And obviously we haven't talked about Odell because he got hurt. And and I don't think that I'm going to have Odell. I think I actually have both of them fairly low when I looked at my rankings earlier. But the one thing that worries me as well though is Beginning of the year, they were not throwing the ball that much because they were trying to learn this offense. You know, it's again something I've talked about, which why I think Baker's gonna take a step forward next year, why I thought Kevin Stefanski deserved the coach of the year because this Browns team was very good, they made the playoffs really having no practices, no offseason, no preseason. Well, that's going to be year two of the offense, and I don't think that they're going to be run heavy like they were in the first half of the season because we saw that change in the second half, and we did a lot of talking about that, how all of a sudden they went from this team that was handing the ball off a ton to now not necessarily being pass heavy, but they were passing the ball more often, so if they do pass the ball more often, that is going to help people like Jarvis Landry, but I just don't know how much. And that's my biggest yeah. thing it's like, I don't know how much to buy into it. I want to. And so I don't want to rank them that low, but at the same time, it's like, I, I, the, the, I don't really buy into Austin Hooper as much as you guys knew. We, we, I don't think either one of you did either. And we'll obviously talk about the Titans in an, in another episode, but it's going to be, I'm excited, interested, I guess, to see when we get to ranking our 2021 receivers and talking about all that, where we have these guys. Cause I, I do think this Browns offense is going to be better and, and a little bit more pass happy than, than some people expect it to be. So these next couple of guys, we're just going to kind of touch on really quick. Um, Nelson Aguilar wide receiver 34. None of us had him ranked. Obviously he had a, you know, a rebound, rebound of a season here with uh, with Las Vegas. I believe he's a free agent. Um, do you think that the Raiders should re-sign him, or where do you think he goes uh, in free agency? And is he a guy that you're willing to buy back into after having kind of a, a resurgence season here with the
1: Raiders? Um, I, I'm checking right now. I actually don't think he is a free agent. So let's let's look real quick. I oh, know you're right. He is on a free agent. I don't know that the Raiders will sign him back. Um, you know, they obviously invested pretty heavily in the receiver position uh last year. Ruggs probably is what he is, but Brian Edwards is a guy I think we both like um, that you could see coming on. Aguilar is definitely going to be one of those, you know, he, he to me I, I would I would even put like a Corey Davis ahead of him, but I think he's going to be in that similar uh, kind of position. They just let uh, Tyrell Williams go. If Aguilar takes a discount, I could see him coming back to the Raiders. I thought he played uh, really well. Last year, I think, seemed to find a uh, fit for him. Um, But at the same time, you know, 48 receptions. Uh, 8.96, he was really a a big play guy, kind of, and the eight touchdowns, uh, you know, the yardage and the touchdowns were kind of career highs. Um, As Dennis says, sometimes we we may have seen the best of Nelson Aguilar in 2020.
2: I, I, I'm i with you. I, I don't expect to raise him up much. And I think he probably
1: dropped some, uh, but definitely
2: had a great year. Uh, and I'm happy for him because that likely leads to him getting at least, I don't want to say a payday, but at least probably a good contract somewhere. Um, and I do think he'll continue to be somewhat viable. Brandon Ayuk comes in at 35. I had him at 44. You and Dennis did not rank him. Again, that was more of, I believed him to be this weapon in that offense. And we got to see it when Debo Samuel came out. I am high on Ayuk. I actually think he is better than Debo Samuel. I think he's shown he mm. again, it's only one season. We've seen Debo Samuel struggle with injuries the past couple of years. We haven't really seen that with Ayuk. Um Ayuk is going to be high for me going into next season. Um, what are your thoughts on him with the forty ers
1: Yeah, I jumped him up into the wide receiver two range. You know, yeah, I've missed seen
2: I was I was looking I, really quick to yeah. see where I have him, so
1: I could potentially see him bumping higher. There's still a lot of questions about the quarterback situation there. Um, you know, and I think when Kittle is healthy, Kittle is still who the pass offense flows through. But I'm with you that I have him demonstrably higher than uh, Debo. I think he's he has the potential to be the number one there.
0: Yeah.
2: Marquise Hollywood Brown came in at 36. Uh, You and Dennis were actually very close, 33 and 32. I had him at 23 and a lot of that was the boom bust. And I expected Baltimore's offense to still be decent. Um, Obviously the first half of the season did not go well at all for him uh, or for Lamar. Um, And to be honest, I think he probably goes up some, but it's just hard to say because I don't think Lamar, Lamar has got to improve on his passing And, and I do think some of it was a weird year. Like it's funny because I feel like I was the like biggest Lamar detractor last year. And I actually think I'm going to give him a little bit of a reprieve going into this year, because the one thing I can say is I kept saying he needed to improve on his passing. We didn't get a whole lot of practice time last year. Not a lot of and not a lot of teams did. So maybe with hopefully a regular offseason, some of that continues to work out for him and those two can continue to get on a better page. I do think if they're able to bring in a possession wide receiver to help, could help him and could help out Hollywood as well. I don't think I'm going to have him up at 23 where I initially had him ranked, uh, but I could see him right around the 30 range where uh, Corey Davis finished this year. Um, I, I think he has, based on just how much boom he has in his game, uh, he could raise up some. But what do, what do you think about, uh, about old Hollywood Brown?
1: Yeah, I still have him in the wide receiver three range, even in dynasty rankings. I think if anything, that sh- last year showed that they need to go get a true number one wide receiver. I think he he's like the MVS Will Fuller opposite. He needs to they need to get a Devontae Adams, yes.
0: um, yeah. you know. And I think
1: people had prior to that been uh, you know he can be the number one. I just I don't feel that way.
2: Yeah, no, I've been with you since the moment they drafted him. I was not that high on him, and it has not worked out, or at least it's worked out the way I thought it was going to. So um, another guy that fell in this range that's just interesting to me because I believe in his talent uh, is Michael Gallup. He comes in at wide receiver 38. I had him at 29. You had him at 30. Dennis, 32. So we all had the same opinion of him. Fell a little bit shorter than what we thought. You know, Gallup is a guy that I, I don't know. I do honestly think there's a realistic shot the Cowboys trade him by the deadline. I don't know if they do it this offseason. Yeah. Uh, but I do think he's a guy who has a ton of talent, and he's one of those wide receivers I think just, he needs to get somewhere else because he he fits in this offense. But I think with Cooper and and Lamb and with the money that they're paying Cooper, I think that they should let Cooper go and keep Gallup and Lambs. I think those two play off each other better. I just don't see that happening. So I think Gallup is going to be the one who's gone. And if he lands on another team, I think could really show us what we've seen out of him at times when given the shot to actually do something.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm probably keeping him in this range. Michael Gallup in his his three years has never done better than 58% catch rate. Um, I feel like that's kind of just the, the role he plays. Maybe he'll benefit from somewhere else. I don't expect a great 2021 if he stays in Dallas because I think he's, as we talked about, he's number three. He's kind of the odd man. Maybe worse than that if they get back to running the ball better or start utilizing, you know, obviously they had their tight end, Blake Jarwin, um, who started pretty good and got hurt. You know, does he, does he start eating into it a little bit? Um, and then beyond that, it's going to depend on a landing spot and since we're probably over a year away from that or at best middle of next season that there's just not quite the upside that uh, we felt like there might be uh, in years past
2: yeah uh devontae parker comes in at wide receiver 40 i had him at 33 dennis 31 you at 38 so you were almost spot on with that one obviously missed time this year with injuries uh, among other things do you see Parker's value shooting up at all? I mean, we know Tua's likely, at least no. right now, the quarterback. So, no. Okay. I'm um, with you yeah, on that. Yeah, so.
1: we'll, we'll talk about tight ends. You know, I think Gasecki probably better bet. But Miami seems to be the consensus team that's either drafting a wide receiver or signing one of these guys and bringing them in, looking to improve there. I think Devontae Parker is right about where he's going to be. Low in three, high end four.
2: I'm going to pair both of these Denver receivers together. So Tim Patrick came in at wide receiver 44. None of us had him ranked and Jerry Judy came in at wide receiver 45. I had him at 48. Now you and Dennis did not rank him. So pretty close on that. Obviously a lot of that comes into Cortland Sutton missing time. Both these guys got more targets than maybe y'all thought they would when that first happened, you know, Jerry Judy, I thought was, uh, he was my wide receiver three in last year's class. I had, um, my goodness, why can I not remember his name now? I know I had Jalen Rager at two. For the life of me, uh, cannot Lamb. remember. Lamb, there we go. My goodness, could not remember that. Lamb at one, Rager at two, and then Judy for me at three. Uh, and I thought Judy actually played fairly good toward the back end of the season. You know, there's a lot of uh, issues, obviously, I guess, with him kind of calling out Drew Locke and saying that he was kind of missing him on throws. Um, you are the Denver Broncos fan. I know you watch every single game, every single snap. Uh, so what is your takeaways from these two guys? Obviously, you know, Cortland Sutton will be coming back. You know, we don't know if they're going to. It sounds like they're going to keep Locke from what you've told us before, but kind of what, how do you view these guys? And let's actually include Cortland yeah. Sutton in the conversation um, since- yeah guy that got injured i had him at 17 you had him at 12 dennis at 13 so all three of these guys moving into 2021 you know obviously right now they're going to keep lock from everything it looks like what it what's kind of your takeaways from the way that this wide receiver room will work
1: so it does seem like they're leaning toward lock and maybe bringing in competition um you know i we've mentioned a fitzpatrick um you know, Mitch Trubisky uh, there, I saw one of the Denver beat writers suggested maybe they'd trade for Marcus Mariota, not re- emotionally prepared to tackle that right now. Um, I'm going to put Judy up a little bit over where he finished in terms of dynasty rankings. And Tim Patrick, I probably, I, I don't have in my, my top 50. I like Tim Patrick. They also have KJ Hamler who's getting healthy and, um, who they invested in Cortland Sutton is still to me, the one I probably will have him somewhere in the twenties in terms of ranking. He's still the one. They also have two tight ends that I have in my top 24, Noah Fant being one who who's breaking out and Albert uh, O who we saw just a small sample size, but in the two kind of full games he played, he saw um, 13 targets. Uh, especially down there in the red zone. And if they keep Drew Locke, those are the big guys they're looking at in, in the red zone. Um, I like Jerry Judy. Okay. But now you're talking about four, at least four receivers and two tight ends probably in the mix. And that's whether or not you consider, you know, if they're going to keep manette and and keep throwing him in there. Um, they also have Tyree Cleveland who they used at the times last year. Uh, that that could get thrown in there. And you're talking about in what in my opinion, what's not going to be an incredibly high volume pass offense. That that's going to drop it, you know, down significantly to me. I just Jerry Judy has uh some talent. I thought he really struggled with mental gaffes and drops. He had some horrific games. He can talk all day long about not liking where Drew Locke put the ball and Drew Locke's not a perfect passer but there was a couple of crucial games where he got hit in the hands in crucial moments and he put it on the ground and i'm not the only person who watches denver games or who is you know a fantasy or a football writer who's called uh judy out for some of his drops and he's a rookie he'll hopefully get better um but i just don't know that there's opportunity i was with you i had him up higher you know it seemed like a perfect landing spot it seemed like great talent but you know among his fellow rookies he's probably closer to 10 than he is to two now yeah yeah all
2: right so i'm gonna group in uh the trying to see if there was any injury guys but does not look like so the two wide receivers for the jacksonville jaguars on here lavisca chanel came in at 46 none of us had him ranked and then obviously dj chart 49. I had him at 13. Dennis, 22. You at 29. Um, now, Chark did miss time due to injury, and I know we've talked about it many times throughout the season, How um, and some of that might have been the thumb injury to Minshew. was just missing Chark on wide-open yeah. throws. Um, I am going to keep Chark up very high moving into next year. Obviously, the, the ex- expectation is they're going to pick Trevor Lawrence. Um, no, can't say for sure until it actually happens, but I'd be very surprised if they don't take Trevor Lawrence, at one who's a very good quarterback prospect, one of the best we've seen in a long time. I do think that's going to boost him. And I'm actually probably going to raise Chenault some as well. You know, We talked about it a little bit on the podcast Thursday with Dennis. Chenault does a lot of what we saw Curtis Samuel doing in Carolina this year, and that originated with Curtis Samuel's role at Ohio State with Urban Meyer and that offense. Now, I know they're not going to run Urban Meyer's offense, but they're going to run parts of it. LaVisca Chenault is a bigger version of Curtis Ammon. Not quite the speed, but big, very useful in all different facets of the game. And if he can stay healthy, he's going to be dangerous. I don't know how much I'm going to move him up, but he's going to be probably somewhere in the 30s for me. How do you view these two with the Jags and in the 2021 season?
1: Yeah, I'm moving Chenault up a little bit. Uh, Chark probably keeping him in the 20s. I do think he'll end up with better quarterback play, which will help him finish. He saw 93 targets, uh, which wasn't terrible, only was able to get 53. I think that speaks to the accuracy you're talking about. What concerns me a little bit is um, you know, how they settle into that offense, what What comes, But also that there seems to be almost universal and consistent talk that Jaguars are bringing in a receiver. Either they're drafting a high receiver or they're going to sign one of these premier free agents. That's not really what you like to hear if you're hoping that it was a bad year for Chark and he's going to come right back to be close to wide receiver one level. Um, That's right. Hopefully he can get back into the wide receiver two range. I think he would have been there if he had gotten some more accurate targets. This last year, I don't think, you know, maybe where you had him would have been too high, but where Dennis and I had him, I don't think would have been too high. I still think he's a good talent and their offense should be better, but I have some questions about whether, you know, he's ever going to, I don't think he's Terry McLaurin, Right. Uh,
2: then a guy I do you just want to mention here? Um, Cause he had a, a really good back half of the season. And right now, in all honesty, kind of lines up to be the one on this team, not knowing what Allen Robinson's going to do. And that's a Darnell Mooney who came out of nowhere. Um, Wide receiver, 50, you know, a good friend of the show. Nick Whalen uh, has been talking about him since mid-season about how much he liked this kid and what he saw on tape. And I was reading reports earlier today that the Bears loved this kid. The scouts were the ones who pushed Mm -hmm. to draft him. They drafted him, really had a good back half of the season. He's a guy that if they bring in another wide receiver, because I personally don't think Mooney could be a one, but could be a really good two for an NFL team. And if he gets any kind of quarterback with some decent accuracy, might actually put up some pretty decent fantasy numbers next year. What do you take away from Mooney?
1: Yeah, and that's that's probably the the big challenge. I liked what we saw. But if he ends up, if it's being him and, and Anthony Miller and Cole Komet, and he has Nick Foles and Alex Smith to choose from, yeah, I hope you can finish wide receiver 50.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't think Alex Smith would be that bad. Cuz Mooney seems like a guy he could get do damage like yeah. in the short area and do get that yak yards, but yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be great.
1: Man, if you're not uh if you're not seeing the coverages Allen Robinson and Jimmy Graham are getting opposite you and it's that that, yeah. that Anthony Miller's not getting the Allen Robinson coverage. Are you, are you sure? I kind of feel Sam, like we're close. Sammy Watkins is not getting the Allen Robinson. I we we're yeah, laughing I because hope. I was listening to uh you know, Nick, if you're listening, please just plug your ears. But listening to the <laughs> to the talk radio on NFL coming home and Diehard Bears fan calls and says, you know, we need to go give Cam Newton a three, three-year contract, uh, $10 million per to come in there, go grab a couple of linemen, and then Allen Robinson priced himself out. We can sign a Sammy Watkins, Cedric Wilson, put them in with Mooney. We're a top-10 offense. I almost crashed my car. I was laughing yeah. so hard. Uh, so yeah, that would yeah. be in ideal for Mooney. You know, if Allen Robinson comes back, you could see the way Mooney was coming out if they get any kind of quarterback. Him, him going up a lot, but he's he's a guy that's probably in a big variable situation right now.
2: All right, so we're talking about wide receivers who were injured, finished all over. I'm not even going to talk about where they finished. It is injuries, among other things, that kind of cause these guys to fall out. But just moving forward, Michael Thomas. Um, still a wide receiver, one for me, but yeah. probably not a top five guy right now just because I have no idea what to think of that offense who's going to be the quarterback, what they're going to do, but I can't see you dropping out of the wide receiver one territory for
1: you. I still have him top five. I haven't added rookies okay. into mine because, you know, I don't get to spend as much time as you're looking at film. I like to see where they're going to go. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, so I could see him sliding. I'm with you, though. I'm not I'm not dropping out of wide receiver one. And even, you know, I know people have big fears about Taysom Hill. He had his best games of the season. Yeah, with Hill. Hill.
2: Yeah uh julio jones he actually fell a little bit in my rankings mm. and again i do put rookies in here as well uh but he ended up falling into wide receiver two range for me uh low end wide receiver two range as well just because i don't know what to think you know matt ryan looks like he's on his last bit of legs i like arthur smith i like the higher. i think the offense is going to be good calvin really stepped up big time there i just i don't know what to think with julio he's one of those guys that I think we might have missed our chance to sell him if you own, if you have shares of him at this point. Um, but what do you think?
1: Yeah, especially in Dynasty. I, I dropped him into the 20s too because I think we saw Calvin Ridley starting to kind of, I think you're starting to see the handoff there.
2: Yeah. Uh, this one is the hardest one for me to figure out because I love Galladay, but I don't know if he goes back to Detroit. I don't think his. He takes a huge hit because I do think Goff can get him the ball, but it's not as good as if he goes to an offense that can use his skill set. So it's very hard for me to figure out where to put Galladay. Um I'll let you answer this and I'll see where I can find him in my ranks. But what, what do you think about him in 2021?
1: Yeah, dropped into uh top tier wide receiver two range. I mean he he, he can be great. Um you know he's never had more than 70 receptions in a season. Last year was kind of a a complete loss, but you look back at the at the year at the two years before 70 for 1063, not bad and then 65 for 1190. The big swings are touchdowns. Yeah. That to me is a little little bit fluky um I I like the talent, but where where does he go? We've talked about this. The teams that need a wide receiver are not exactly the great locations for, for these receivers where you're thinking, man, they're gonna achieve. And Galladay probably is behind, you know. I if I'm looking at all if I have my choice of all the free agents, <clears throat> you know, I prefer to go grab Robinson.
2: Um yeah, for sure. I'm
1: going to grab Godwin before I'm going to grab him. And if he ends up getting franchise tagged back to Detroit, good for Dennis. You know, probably good for Jared Goff, not great for Kenny Galladay.
2: Well, I actually heard today on NFL radio that he might do everything he can to fight that as well, because this is his shot. Like we talked about with Godwin and getting his big payday and he has suffered with some injuries throughout his career as well. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with him. You know, we touched a little bit on AJ green earlier. He's not a guy that I I just, you know, even if he goes to an explosive Mm -hmm. offense, I'm not expecting much, uh, Antonio Brown, though, had a had a fairly decent season when he played with the Bucks. Uh, is he a guy that you're willing to take a shot on in twenty one?
1: I you know i'm I'm probably happy to have him depending on where where he signs. I think he was in his most ideal situation, and honestly, for Dynasty, I'm not putting him in my top fifty because I don't see the long term anymore. <laughs>
2: Uh, okay, so three three more guys we'll talk about here. Uh, two rookies last year. Michael Pittman Jr. obviously had the compartment leg syndrome. We saw him, though, when he came back from that. He had like three really good games with Phillip Rivers and then just kind of fell off the cliff, and it was the Zach Pascal game for some reason. None of us still know why. We have not uh, not figured that out yet. Uh, but Pittman looks to be the alpha in this offense with no Ty coming back. Obviously, there have been rumors. We talked about it with uh, with our good friend uh, Tony, with Wentz coming over there. That you know they might go get an A. Rob or someone else like that. What are your thoughts with Pittman moving
1: forward? Yeah, and that's my thought. I think with their cap space and, and trying to make a move, they're going to go for somebody. So right now, I I tentatively have him in the thirties. I think we'll see a step up. I like him. You also don't know what you're getting from Campbell coming back. Uh, And I think we all think that Jonathan Taylor is still the guy in that offense.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Henry Ruggs was a guy that none of us were on. Uh, He finished his wide receiver 94. I'm going to be honest. I don't see that changing much. Maybe he gets up into like the seventies or sixties, but I just honestly don't see much from, I, I honestly think, I get why Gruden drafted him, and I get why he wanted him to be his Tyree Hill, but he's not Tyree Hill, and they don't have a quarterback like Mahomes. So I, just, I don't think this is going to work out for fantasy the way Hill does. What do you think with uh, with Rugs?
1: I mean, I think his upside is what we saw from Nelson Aguilar um, this year. You know, I think Nelson Aguilar actually ended up doing what they had hoped they were going to get from Rugs coming in, but the guy in that team that i have as as my higher dynasty option is brian edwards uh you know i think he is probably more of the the true number one receiver um you know rugs is probably you know the way we talk about mvs we talked about will fuller could end up being you know he's he's feels like a home run threat guy and not the consistent wide receiver so there's going to be games where he catches three passes and gets you 150 yards and two touchdowns. And there's going to be games where he catches three passes for 15 yards.
2: Yeah. Uh, and then the last guy uh, suffered an injury here is uh, Odell Beckham Jr. We touched a little bit on him with Jarvis Landry, just to kind of bring that conversation around and kind of close it out, I guess, for now. Uh, what are your thoughts on him moving forward? You know, Whether you think he's going to stay with the Browns and what could happen or if you think that he has moved to another team.
1: I think he probably stays with the Browns last year. I had him 19 coming in. I think I dropped him uh, a little bit lower into the upper twenties.
2: Yeah, I've got him right around the same spot. Actually. I think I have him at 20 right now and I, I could see moving him up a little bit. As we talked about with Landry, Um, it's just going to be, interesting to see what this offense does i know he says that he's healthier than he's ever been but i feel like every injured player says that coming off an of injury so it's kind of hard to to really figure that out but that that'll end it for our wide receiver discussion so if you guys do not watch or if you've not seen the latest episode of wandavision uh this will be the end of the episode thank you for stopping by i don't want to ruin anything for you as we obviously ugh
1: and maybe uh maybe as a bridge while we let people rotate off you want to tell us a little bit about your site
2: uh yeah uh so we launched our campus to canton site last night Uh, i am excited about that i am a lucky enough to be a co-founder on the website um for those of you who don't know campus to canton um at least in my opinion is the most uh immersive and um detail-oriented dynasty fantasy football league there is. You play out uh, your full college side and NFL side simultaneously throughout the year, uh, upwards of 30 to 45-man rosters on both sides. And much like if you play in a Debbie league, um, whenever you know a Debbie, those players that you have drafted in your college side come up to your NFL side as soon as they go into the NFL. It's the same thing. So you have anywhere sometimes, like this year in one of my campus to Canton leagues, I had 12 guys. Coming up and you still have rookie drafts and everything, but it's very, very depleted. Uh, I think when I looked at our rookie draft this year, there's like six guys worth drafting. So a lot of these guys are, are, you know, are on teams on the college side. And you actually, as I said, play out the college side. You have a chance to win the college championship and an NFL championship. It's very, very deep. And so, uh, you know, with our site, you get, I believe right now, and we haven't even gotten a chance to get through all the freshmen. Uh, You know, Matt mentioned that I get to watch a lot of tape. There's a lot of freshmen coming into college uh, college football, and we have yet to get through. I think I've got 50 ranked right now, and there's still 100 more in our database I haven't had a chance to look at yet. Uh, so right now we have, I believe it's 486 ranked college players, uh, about 450 NFL players as well. We give you both sides of it because it matters what you do on the NFL side as it does the college side. You now I'm lucky to be a part of this with Austin. Uh, Colin, Alfred, Jarek, and and Felix. You guys can find our site at campus2canton.com. Um, we have a lot of free stuff. We do have some paid stuff as well. We do have uh, the one thing, if, if you're into analytics – uh, Jarrett created a player metrics database and an app that is revolutionary. Nobody else in any of fantasy football has this. If you follow us on Twitter, you've seen us tweeting this stuff out. Uh, and right now for at least the first two, maybe even three weeks, it's free. You can go in there and it shows you, you know, based on what players have done from freshman to wherever they are now, what their trajectory is moving forward. So you can see players that you like and you can compare them to any player in NFL history and see what they did compared to what these guys did or same draft classes. It's a very cool app. It's a lot of fun to look at. So if you guys have any interest in that, again, you guys go to campusdecanton.com. to uh, You know, we'd love anybody who goes by even if you just want to pay attention to the free content, you know, we're, we're, we're perfectly fine with that. And if there's stuff you want to get to um, there's it's 299 29.99 for a year subscription, you know, and you know, obviously money is, and different for everybody these days with COVID COVID. So if you guys can't support us that way, even just going to the site and and commenting on our articles and everything would mean the world to us. So we're very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. Can't wait to, can't wait to see it grow. So.
1: Very exciting.
2: It is. So I'll let you take control again. Like you did last week. Uh, We saw episode was that eight,
1: seven, right? That was eight. Yep, and Ultimate at 8, one more uh, Friday, and then there'll be a making of, and then uh, you and I will be recapping Falcon and the Winter Soldier.
2: Yes. No, I can't <laughs> but, uh, wait. I can't wait to see the ending of this, though. Friday is going to be. <sighs> I,
1: I don't know how you feel, but that was an emotional gut punch, Episode 8. Um, you get a lot of background on Wanda Maximoff, um, you know, for a lot of the people that have had qualms and they're like, what's with this sitcom thing? You got your answer in probably the most profound and beautiful way. Yeah. Um, you know, if you follow any of the sites for the show, you've seen the meme of her uh Vision and their, um, you know, their back and forth. Uh, you got a lot of answers about what happened, you know, how this happened. Um, Wanda's kind of role in it. And you started out with this incredible backstory for Agnes uh, uh, too a little bit of how, you know, you know, she came to be and she's trying to figure out how she can capture this, this power. Um, it was a very different uh, kind of episode, very kind of contained. It was it was mostly these kind of two characters and and uh, really a walk down um, memory lane. I thought it was just phenomenal. And then you get the uh, – did you – I hope you stayed and saw the post credit scene. Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. So second week in a row we've gotten a post credit scene. I'm, I'm kind of hoping we get one in the, in the finale too, although, you know, ideally they're wrapping some things up. Uh, but really excited to see where we go. We got our answer. So they had intimated a few episodes ago or – The guy who's the leader of S.W.O.R.D., who I think we can all agree is, um, if not the bad guy, is certainly an asshole. Yeah. Had intimated that Wanda stole Vision's body and resurrected it, which uh, turns out to be a lie. Yeah. Which they
2: gave us hints to as well when he left uh, her thing because he started to disintegrate. Now, in my mind, I was like, oh, well, that's because he's clearly still dead. And then obviously you find out in this episode that she created what made it look like from her heart. So we know that he is, uh, I I don't want to say a figment of her imagination, but he's not real. But the
1: whole thing is a figment of her. I mean, and it was born of intense grief, essentially, is what we learn is she is both responsible and not entirely responsible for what's happening where it wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like a malicious, because a lot of people have wondered, you know, are we seeing a Daenerys Targaryen? Are they making her the right. villain, you know, after all this uh, years of movies where she's been this, you know, kind of rock character. No, We you know, we got our answer. No.
2: Yeah. And Not so
1: even,
2: I'll, I, I will say I loved uh, that episode because we obviously know some of, of her background. Um, from Age of Ultron, but we don't know much. And then we really got, like, a full glimpse into the things that she's had to go through her entire life. And I think, in all honesty, what she's had to go through, obviously, in losing her parents, then her brother, then Vision, and I believe Agatha says it in the episode, like, she's lost everybody that she's loved. Yeah. Then to set up what they did with the end credit scene, and then bring, I believe, is it—is it, is it Holloway or Cal? I can't remember what his name is, but... yeah.
1: I just call him jerk off
2: vision being back, I think sets up to be a very emotional and I, I'm very intrigued to see what they're going to do because I almost feel, I, I hate saying it this way because I feel like she's become like one of the more tragic characters of this universe now, which is everything she's had to go Hayward, through. Hayward, Tyler, gotcha. Hayward.
1: But yeah, she definitely, uh, definitely a tragic character you know we knew she was going to have life beyond this because even though the kind of release order of when these marvel projects go get released got messed up she's slated to appear in um Doctor Strange 2 the multiverse of madness and in a couple of other things i i'm frankly quite pleased that they didn't make her a villain i never thought yeah. they were but then you get to some of those dark portions of the season and you're like well, maybe I'm wrong about this. Um, I, It's, it's going to be pretty exciting. It's supposed to be the longest episode we've had, um, yeah. which wouldn't take much. I feel like these episodes, they say they're 40-something minutes, and it's like 15 minutes of credits is what it feels like.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be... I mean, what's going to be interesting is how they're able to wrap everything up into this last episode, because we know that... There's nothing else after this. This is this is it. This is a one-off series, as they said. We're not going to see anything else. So, how do they wrap up the Agatha storyline? How do they wrap up? I already forgot his name because he doesn't matter. But the director of Sore, like, what does he matter? Uh, you know what happens, obviously, with Vision now in in essence being reincarnated. Like, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait. Like, it's. I mean, I think. May, I hate saying this because I feel like some people are going to look at it like well you know it's the newest thing so it's, it's I feel like this has been one of the better things they've done throughout the entire mm. Marvel universe this show has been really really good I've enjoyed it from step one uh, and and mm. I am beyond excited for Friday like I hate that I have to wait until Friday now I, I told my wife earlier I was like could you just call in sick Friday so we can like watch it early because I don't want to wait until the end of the night
1: I know, you know, I, I, I feel like uh, it's been solidarity with you, but we've been watching it Friday nights too. I wait till, uh, I don't have to wait quite as late as you. Um, right. But, you know, uh, we've been wait, waiting and watching it because I'm in the same boat as you, my wife wants to watch. I have a friend who uh, watches it by himself in the morning and then rewatches it with his wife. Um, <laughs> I don't think Lindsay would go for that. I think um I think yeah. I might be executed. So, I you know I wait to watch, but it's been it has been fun to be able to take this journey kind of with your spouse too, to have somebody else to talk to and have friends. And we had to wait. You know, the promise of a live action Marvel show was always part of the selling of Disney Plus, and we had to wait. You know, more than a year into the into the format for it to come out. But I feel like this has been worth the wait. Um, really looking forward to the rest of the slate that's going to roll out, and we're starting to get into that. They're going to show for us every week, you know, and you can have kind of that fun Marvel corner every week, which has been nice. Um, You know, I didn't realize how much I missed the MCU uh, because we got zero, no movies, no shows, nothing in 2020. You don't realize how much you missed it until you hear that Marvel, you know, logo theme come on before the first episode. My cat was so excited. She heard the theme. She started running in from the bedroom to jump on the couch. It's like, everybody knows it's time. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's. I mean, it's insane to think too because obviously, we have that which goes for the most part right into Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then we're hopefully going to get Black Widow and I believe the new Spider Man movies at the end of this year as well, right? So, yeah, we're getting Spider Man's
1: supposed to be in December, which they said is going to be one of the fastest turnarounds ever. They're still, they still have, um, and we're supposed to get Eternals, um, oh, yeah, that's right, yeah, in the fall. Uh, the show Loki is supposed to come out during the summer, uh, and oh, Legends, which will actually have the final filmed piece from Chadwick Boseman, um, it comes out sometime this year. That's, I tell that's you, that's rough to be watch. Be emotional, yeah. That's a, yeah. That one's that one's going to be
2: a little bit rough. So, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I hate to compare it to this because I, I there are some things that I think kind of work with the way that they pull on your heartstrings a little bit, but. You know, we were all as me and you big fans of Star Wars as we were, we were kind of not sure what to expect with Mandalorian, and they completely knocked it out of the park. And it's almost made us not almost say question, but like, can they keep this up? Can they keep it going? I would almost say with what they've done with WandaVision, has done the same thing, they've hit it out of the park. They have set very high expectations for what Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be now. Granted, completely different style, but I think it's going to live up to it as well. I cannot wait to see how they end it so, out.
1: Go ahead. The other big thing for the finale, which uh, Paul Bettany has talked about a few times, is they have a huge guest star. And I still feel like I have no idea what it is, and I feel like it's going to be not only a big name, but somebody playing a Marvel character that they're yeah. bringing in. I know some people have been, you know, are we going to see like Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four? Are we?
2: Well, that's been kind of a rumor, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again,
1: he is a scientist, so you could see. Maybe
2: if I, I will be honest, if toward the end of the episode. If we see John Krasinski show up as Reed Richards, I will full geek out. Like I, I, I promise, it's not going to be pretty. I, I will be excited. I, I do agree with you. Um, I do think it's going to be someone, and likely, I don't think it's going to be. I, I would say I don't think it's going to be a villain. I think it's going to be some hero that they're either setting up for a series down the road, or someone that maybe we're going to see in the new set of movies. Like I'd love to see maybe our first glimpse of like a Moon Knight if possible or something, but I, I am excited to see who it is. Uh, you know, I don't know.
1: Um, they already cast moon Knight. Uh, that's Ethan yeah. Hawk.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, but like are seeing our first, first yeah. iteration of him in the show, like I, you know, I'm hope part of me hopes it's not the Reed Richards thing, just because I, as you know, I try to avoid all of that stuff. Cause I don't want to know, I don't want anything no. spoiled for me, especially after, you know, Iron Man was, was spoiled for me in, uh, in end game. But, um, I have seen a lot of people talking. You and everyone about that, else. So. Thanks,
1: Sean McCoy.
2: Yeah, asshole. Uh, but before we get out of here, because we're we're running at almost uh, an hour twenty here. What um what do you expect to get from this final episode?
1: You know, I think the. The whole thing's going to have to come to an end. And, um, you know, I think Wanda's going to come face to face with the reincarnated Vision. What you couldn't get a sense of there was if he retained any of the personality. And I, I'm i worried he didn't. And that is going to be the most gutting thing I think we've seen, especially after last week and some of the tender and emotional moments uh, between her and Vision to have him come back and not not know her is going to be crushing.
2: Yeah. I think that's where that I literally in my heart almost broke. Yeah. My heart almost broke when I saw that thing, when he came online, because I agree there was no, now granted they did do the, uh, was it, they used her power from when the Stark Mm. rocket hit her, where her, that killed her parents and, uh, realized, I guess that she had powers. We now know that the mind stone amplified them. Um, but, I I am with you, and I'm I'm really. It is going to be very painful to watch, especially if he mm-hmm. has like no memory whatsoever, and and she has to realistically for like the third time, and what it seems like is a little over a, a year or two. See uh, Vision die because she technically killed him at at the end of um,
1: yeah, and then uh, not, they not, not, brought him back and killed and then,
2: himself, and killed him in front Infinity of, her, which work. caused. Infinity War, which caused her to disappear because she was part of the ones that disappeared in the blip. And then when she came back uh, and and obviously they were able to defeat Thanos with the sacrifice of Iron Man. And then now you've, you we realize is what I think this is only about a year or within the year of all that stuff ending.
1: May not even be that long because, uh, you know, when she goes to task to, to see his body, I think she said it had only been a couple months.
2: Yeah, so I mean you're talking about within a couple months time possibly seeing the love of her life destroyed three times and is it's going to be I rough. guess
1: I forgot what you said she blipped out and came back so it would have only been a couple months for her but it would have been right. Years. Well, yeah,
2: yeah, I'm talking about just for her because I mean, she yeah. doesn't know that, like, just like we saw with yeah. Rambo, Rambo doesn't know that she was gone for years. She felt like she was gone, she fell asleep for a couple minutes. So, yeah, I
1: honestly don't think they kill uh, New Vision. I, I bet that that's a way to bring the character back, to, back. To, be, to be part of future things. I don't think they kill him, you know, it may be a thing of where she has to wake him up so that he can't be used as a weapon. by uh uh, yeah yeah
2: yeah it'll it'll be uh it'll be interesting i could honestly see it going so many different ways like if i knew they were coming out with the season two which again they've already said this is a one-off then i would think vision for sure is coming back but the fact that he isn't you know we haven't heard about him being in any other of the shows any of the movies so it makes me wonder like is this just a way to continue to you know, unfortunately, make like I said, Wanda be like one of the more tragic characters of this universe, and and, and that that that's kind of. So the one thing I will say, and I hope, but I don't know if it'll happen. I would love if somehow, Boss Bender shows up, and it's just in the, and, and that's who it is, just to to link the two together. You know, I don't think it's gonna happen, but it, man, up, it be so, so awesome.
1: Well, that brings up a difficult conflict because the the background from the comic books is one of is Magneto's daughter. But since they didn't have the rights when they brought her in for Avengers, they gave her a different backstory and they gave her a heartfelt different backstory in the last episode. Well, so that's that going to be the monumental Olympics
2: is in one way, I think, could be very easily explained in that he is her father. But he – I don't want to say gave her away, but he didn't raise them because of everything going on. Because we know in um, – in the I don't remember the name of it. The last X-Men movie, like he disappears, and he goes off into his yeah. own little thing with, with the other group of mutants. Maybe yeah. that's what happens. And he leaves Wanda and her brother to be with that family, and they choose to raise him. And that's the bombshell that gets dropped. I, do, I doubt
1: it happens.
2: But my god, if they are able to Olympics their way through that and, and mesh those two together
1: right. – Oh, it'd be beautiful. Now, that's a world of possibilities because Paul Bettany, the one who's talked about, said it's an actor he's always wanted to work with. And so, you know, that kind of because there was talk too that, you know, um, Chris Evans had talked about possibly making another appearance as Captain America. But Paul Bettany's worked with him. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's not it. Um, You know, the John Krasinski thing is interesting, but I was trying to think, you know, would that be somebody that Paul Bettany has yearned to work with? I don't know. Fassbender is an interesting one that, that you could give. Is it Patrick Stewart as Professor X? You That'd know, be Jimmy. even more
2: interesting. Maybe him coming and, and showing that. Yeah, I, I, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be something that we none of us expect and, and blows us away just the same. But I, I, I am really excited about it. I cannot. I'm I almost feel like I'm gonna have to deactivate my Twitter for Friday because you know, because when do those drop? <laughs> Five o'clock in the morning, isn't it?
1: Uh, they drop at midnight, midnight? Pacific, I believe. So it's. 3am on the east probably 2am for you i think it's 1am for me if i wanted to stay up for it
2: no i mean i won't stay up for it but i guess i could get up an hour no because my wife would know. so yeah i just uh i don't know i can't call in sick either although i want to just because i i'm gonna have to just hey, avoid
1: Twitter like work, at, work might be the best way to avoid spoilers
2: It is, but at some point, like my biggest issue is when I have to go pick up my kids. I'm like sitting in a parking lot for like 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes sometimes by myself, and so that's when I get to the scrolling period. And we follow enough people to know that there's going to be some asshole who does it, and it's just going to ruin everything.
1: People are much much less respectful with TV shows. I feel like to even Game of Thrones, where they were they were so hypersensitive, you know, people would start dropping that shit at like yeah you know because it dropped at nine eastern so six you know if you have kids and you live in california you got to put them to bed before you're firing yeah. anything like that up and if it's 6 45 at night somebody's posting oh you know i just saw aria stab the night king you're like
2: yep <laughs> yeah and the worst part about it is you can't even like mute wandavision because it they may not even tag wandavision in the thing because it may just be like oh my god they just showed this character and then don't even tag wandavision in and then it's just there you're it's like
1: well and i i, I mentioned last week i thought the uh even the it feels like even disney uh has been less spoiler phobic official show accounts less than a week after episode release like two days after episode release or dropping the song, you know, from Agnes. I did I it was Agnes all along. Yeah. I know you're trying to promote that you're releasing this as a song, but that is a major F and spoiler, dude. Yeah. I mean that that's a character saying I'm the bad guy.
2: Yeah. And it's Agnes. That's right. I called her Agatha earlier for some reason. Um but all right so it'll uh, well, maybe
1: it is Agatha.
2: You know, I can't remember. I'm now I now I'm questioning no, it's myself. Agnes.
1: It's Agnes. Agnes and her. thing in the comic book it's Agatha Har, Hargrave. Gotcha. Okay, so I think it's both. We're both right. I'm just saying okay. we're both that right. that
2: that that works. That works for me. All right, so we'll be back on Thursday with Dennis. I think I guess it's time ends. to talk tight ends. So, which we might be able to get all of them done in one episode because I mean no, we're only doing twenty four. So. As I say, realistically, there's, I mean, we could probably fly through after we get through like the top 12, maybe 14. There might not be much really to talk about, so we will, uh, but we will be back with him. We'll talk about tight ends, and then obviously, next what do we have on the docket for next Monday?
1: Is it time to talk free well, agents? Uh, we're gonna talk free agents, gonna look at quarterbacks. I think we will
2: kick off this show with WandaVision, though, because I feel like it's gonna be an amazing episode, so we might as well. Yeah. Free agency. We're going to talk one division first, and then we'll get into to well, NFL you know, the NFL free agency.
1: The way everything's going, we may have a few free agents signed. Uh, you know, JJ Watt already uh, went up with the Cardinals. So oh, good old.
2: Well, we didn't get to talk about that. We'll talk about that Thursday. I don't know how much it doesn't really matter for us fantasy wise, but. We'll definitely get into, get into all of that as well. So, everybody have a good next couple days, and me, Dennis, and Matt will be back again on Thursday.
0: Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came like out the whole wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown! I would be honored. No one of up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Oh, they tackle the a Who can make a play? I can Who can make a play? I can <laughs> <laughs>